0: Mark 14, Mark 14, and uh, we're down in verse 22 this evening, and uh, really we're going to kind of sit here for this week, next week, just because of how these, this passage th- this passages gets, uh, gets used by the, the, the religious system today. Um, verse 22, and as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it. And gave it to them, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he had gave it unto them. And they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine, until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the mount of olives so we're we are we are down here now into this passage and and again as we we've been through we're in the upper room we've been through the the uh the, that scene there okay and they're in the upper room the night before he dies he's got the 12 with him he's uh his, his intention is to eat the passover with them. he he uh he can eat it early the provisions there we looked back in numbers and so forth and again in numbers the provision was if you're on a if you're on a journey and he's on a long journey from heaven's glory and or or you're unclean for touching a dead body well he's about to become that dead body so they eat they eat the Passover and that's what verse 22 and as they did eat and again, they're eating the Passover meal. Back up, verse 17, and uh, verse 12. I'm sorry. And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? So they're thinking about, you know, the night before. This is the evening before the daylight of the 14th, where he's going to be killed. But they're getting it. They're getting it ready. They're preparing it, cooking it, and then they eat it in the night of between the 14th and the 15th going in. And they're ready. So again, he's going to instruct them here now. So they're going to eat. Verse 22. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to them and said, take eat, this is my body. Now, if you'll notice Religion out there, they, they abuse these verses greatly because they're trying to make them say stuff it isn't, and we'll talk about that as we go, but you'll notice that, and as they did eat, alright, so they're eating the Passover, so as they're eating, when they're done eating the Passover, he's going to take the bread, alright, so they eat the Passover, after they're done, he takes the bread, And what he's going to do here literally is institute a new supper with them. Okay, he's gonna he's they so the Passover, and what everybody calls the Lord's Supper, and I'll just use that term out of convenience because there's you know communion. Paul doesn't Paul doesn't call it the Lord's Supper. He calls it the Lord's Table, and we'll look over there in a little bit at First Corinthians. So what he's going to do is, these are two separate things, but they're connected. Okay? And they're connected together. So as we look, and again, we're in Mark, so we've got to think about the the portrayal of Mark and the servant and and the activity and the doing. So get Matthew 26, and then we'll get Luke 22, but we'll do Matthew 26 first. Because it's, it's important to get the... The events, the order of events here, okay? In John 13, 14, 15, 16, they are in the upper room where the Lord's instructing them about what's hap- what's coming and so forth. But John 13 to 16 happens after what we're reading here in, in Mark 14, Matthew 26, and Luke 12, or Luke 22. So there's a there's an issue here of some of a sequence. Uh, Matthew 26, if you just look there quickly at verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. So, again, as they are eating, that, uh, that's what Mark said. But look at Luke 22. Luke chapter 22. And verse 19. Luke 22. 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup, watch, after supper, saying. So after the meal is over, what's he going to do? He's going to pick up a piece of bread off the table, and they've got a cup there, and he's going to institute this the, this issue here, so the Passover meal, the, <laughs> they, they're, Christ again reaches down, picks up a piece of bread, takes a cup, and he does it. My point, and well, I'm kind of going slow, is that these are two separate events, so the Passover is not the Lord's Supper. The Passover is the Passover. And again, just for convenience, the Lord's Supper is a separate event. However, they are connected. And, and what happens is, is, one, the Passover, is giving way to the reality here, the New Supper. So what you have is he, the Passover... If you think about the event of the Passover, it's a shadow. It's a, it's a picture, it's a type of the reality that hasn't come yet. All right? So the Passover become be, become is the picture of the of the formal thing. It's the shadow, it's the type. But now what's it going what where are we? We're in the upper room. He's in the night in the evening hours before going to be killed. So what do we have? Now we're going to have the reality. So the institution of, again, out of convenience, the Lord's Supper, is this issue, he's going to say, this is the blood of the New Testament. Why? Because he's, here's the Passover, that's now been fulfilled, and we're going to go do this now over here. So come, come over and look at 1 Corinthians 5, and watch Paul say that, basically, if you will. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. So again, what's happening here, and 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 I know people get all upset, you know, like we we've we haven't done this in what a couple years. We have the Lord's table. And it's a fellowship meal. And that's what Paul, that's when he gets in with the Corinthians and everything. And we just haven't done it just out of no real reason, just not doing it. It isn't the little we, back in the day when we first got started, we were down on, on baselines. We had just moved up. Actually, no, we were at La Quinta. So in the early days, we did communion. And I only, know, I only knew how to do it one way. I'd never really thought about it. So we had the little cup and the little wafer, and we you know, did what the passage says, 1 Corinthians 11. And then one of the gentlemen in the room said, I'm never doing that again. He's a former Roman Catholic, so what did it look like? What he had always said. So I was like, well, let me look into this. So I started studying it and looking into Paul talking about it. Paul uses that phrase out of Luke there, this doing remembrance of me. And so it's a, in Paul's estimate, in Paul's mind, and in 1 Corinthians 11, it's a thing that you're to do as a memorial. So when we've done it here in the past with a meal, at first I think we catered it so nobody had to really work. You know, it just set it up and go. And then the last couple of times it was a potluck and so forth. And it really is just a fellowship meal around, not talking about the weather or the coyotes or the cardinals or the none of that. It's just about who we are in Christ and our fellowship one with another. And we'll see as we go through this a little bit. And the issue really is 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7. Paul talking here, he says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So Paul, picking up on what's happening, the reality of what Passover pictured is accomplished in the cross work of Christ. So Christ is the fulfillment of The Passover, the shadow, the type, the picture—what the Passover was all about originally, back in when Moses was given to Moses to do. So when when these events are going on here, and what the Lord's going to do is He's going to come in and He's going to—we're done eating that. That's fulfilled because I'm about to go die as the Passover lamb. However, there's a new supper coming on board now i.e. New Covenant, New Testament, okay? So it's, uh, again, a memorial. You're going to, Luke 22, you're going to do this in remembrance of me. Why? Why would he, why would, look, look back there at Luke 22. It, it, it's just, it's fascinating that the only one, Luke 22:19. 19, the only one that uses this phrase, this do in remembrance of me, Paul and Luke are close companions. He picks that phrase up in the conversation with Luke, and by the way, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes it in for you and I today. So it becomes a memorial. Well, why would Luke have it? This do in remembrance of me. And Matthew doesn't. Mark doesn't. John doesn't. John doesn't even record. I mean, I, okay. Well, why does Luke? Well, because what's about to happen. He's going to die, and he, as a son of man, he's going to die, and he's going to be resurrected, and he's going to ascend and be gone. That's Luke's right in Acts. It, this is what's going to happen. So you've got this demonstration here of the reality, and as it's doing away with the shadow. So when you come back, come back on here to Mark 14, that, so these two events, and, and again, It's important here to catch what's happening in the moment, in in the sequence of events. They're in the upper room, they've eaten the Passover, and now he's going to institute the the, the new, if you will. And what what we're talking about is the thing that's going to replace the type is the substance of his sacrificial work. So he's not replacing the shadow with another shadow, see? That's the thing. And religion says that, okay, and, and paints those pictures. He's not replacing the, the ritual of Passover, because that's literally what it is. By the way, back in Exodus, they do the Passover to do what? To remember getting out of Exodus, out of Egypt. He's not replacing the ritual with another ritual. Now, what has religion done with that? Made it a ritual. That's not what he's going to do here at all. So the supper is not going to be another shadow. I'm talking about the new. It's not going to be a new ritual. It's not going to be a new ceremony that points to something that hasn't come. Literally what's going to happen here is you're going to, Paul, 1 Corinthians 11, you're going to show this until I come back see and so he's the supper make sure i'm in the right yeah mark 14 is really looking back at the reality being fulfilled not looking to the future they these guys are not looking to the future they don't even understand half of what he's talking to them about up here they don't have their understanding opened yet that's going to come after the resurrection so the the new here isn't looking it isn't looking forward really to a future it's looking back and saying here's the reality what i'm about to go do at calvary is fulfilling that and then there's this out here so the passover and again it's just a, verse 22 and as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. So, again, he picks up the a bread, he's going to break it, and off you go. By the way, that thing in 1 Corinthians 12, 5 there, you see, we have, in the gospel of the grace of God, the center of it is what Christ accomplished at Calvary. That's why Paul says, Christ, who is our Passover, Okay, here in Matthew, when we get down to the verse 24, which is shed for many, that is not you. He didn't die here in the, for you. He, we understand the all after who shows up, the Apostle Paul and the, the mystery being revealed. He takes the bread, verse 22. He took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to him. And he says, this is my body. And said take eat this is my body now the bread is gonna represent his body by the way if you're gonna break bread what are you holding in your hands how, I just gave it away how, how are you holding the bread with your hands you know it's kind of like the, the old thing how you feeling today I feel in my hands pretty good thanks you know okay but the thing is is so he's taking this and it's gonna represent his body and again the Roman Catholics, they've got that transubstantiation doctrine when they do a little a little hoodly do, and the bread literally turns into the body, and then the, the, the wine literally turns into the blood. But when you go analyze that in a, chem, in, a, in a lab, guess what it is? Bread and wine, see? And honestly, if you can get a priest to be honest with you, they will tell you that that's just tradition and we don't even believe that they they will because they know that if you take that and go and analyze it guess what it is bread and wine they understand that they're you know when we saw a guy one time a guy a priest and he was do had done mass all day and he couldn't walk a straight line from drinking all the wine and and it was like okay well well then that wasn't blood but when you think about it when they When they say that they do the hocus-pocus and the bread becomes literal flesh, now what are we talking about? Cannibalism. When you talk about that wine becoming literal blood, now you're a vampire. Vampirism. And by the way, both of those, vampirism and, and cannibalism, are pagan idolatry ideas. And you find it all in the Old Testament under Baal worship. And that's where they're coming. So the Lord says, "This is." And what they say is, "Well, the, what does the verse say? This is my body." So it's got to be his body. And then they, the one, the ones that won't let you be literal about a lot of things. Now they're going to be really literal here, okay? okay? And and yet when you think about it, <laughs> his body's holding the bread, and he breaks the. He's not. He's, the bread's not the body. It's just a rep. It's. it's it's, a, it's an element that represents the, his body. And it's broken for you. Now, what that's called is a metaphor. When you study the Word of God, you have metaphors and you have similes. Okay? And a simile is that comparison using like or as. A metaphor is a comparison that does not use like or as. Okay? So that's what's happening here. Now, come back to 1 Corinthians 10 and just kind of notice this issue on this metaphor because this is honestly where every where a lot of the religious folks they they go it's literally his body, literally the blood. And it's like, "Well, hang on a minute. You can't you won't let me be literal over here about something and and then they but they miss the metaphor. So here's, an, here's a wonderful illustration of this. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the sea, I'm, I'm sorry, under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat. Now watch. And did all drink that same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock, capital R, okay, that followed them, and that rock, capital R, was who? was Christ. So is he saying that a rock rolled around and followed them out there as they wandered through the wilderness? A big piece of granite, crunch, you know? No, he's not saying that at all, is he? See, it's a metaphor that's going to describe the very foundation that the nation of Israel and all, it represents Christ, see, Again, the rock, he, he's quoting Deuteronomy 32. We'll go back there in a minute and see that. So when he says, my body, this is my body, he's using a metaphor pictured in that piece of bread that it's going to be what? Broken. I should have had a baguette or something. Broken, you know, <laughs> for you. And that's, that's all he's doing. Now, again, when you read the Bible and you study God's word, you do take it literally but also logically, say, And in other words, you let it mean what it would normally mean in a normal conversation. And unfortunately, in a lot of the quote, unquote, conspiracies, and a lot of that conspiracy isn't conspiracies. It's just, I want it to be this way, so I'm going to make it this way. It comes from them not reading things logically or literally. By the way, in when when Revelation, when he says, Behold the Lamb of God, it's not a four-legged lamb over there in the corner going, bah. It's talking about the characteristic, the character of the Lord. And what, he was, what who is he? He's the Passover lamb. Just like in Genesis 3, when the serpent talks to Eve, it's not a snake wrapped around the, the apple tree. That's what the European painters want you to think. It's not. It's talking about his character. Besides, it wasn't an apple, it was a grape. It's talking about his character. That's what he's talking about and, and who he is. So when you think about it, go back there to Mark 14. I mean, I, I look at that and I hear these guys and I listen to them. So his body was broken in 12 different pieces. No, it was, it was just the, the issue of the picture here. No, the bread was broken in 12 different pieces. Okay? Now, look at verse 23. And he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. All right? Easy to see. Now, let me ask you something. How do you drink a cup? How do you drink a a cup? Because that's what they do. See, they go, but you're not drinking the cup. What are you drinking? What's inside the cup, see? Completely, they all know you've got to drink the cup. How do you drink a cup? You can't, see? So again, when they start taking things literally, you just got to sit there and go, are you done talking? Because it's it's not making any sense. Now, come back to Matthew 26. Again, should have had you stick something in there. Matthew 26, again, verse 26, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take eat. this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. Again, how do you drink the cup? See, you don't. You're drinking the content in the cup. Now, verse 28, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for, the men, for many for the remission of sins. So when they drink the cup... The content in the cup, it's representing the blood of the New Testament, see? So just like the bread represented his body, the content of the cup is going to represent that shed blood. So what are you going to do? You're going to eat the bread. That's going to work out, by the way, to partaking of the bread of life. You're going to drink the cup, and that's going to be the issue of consuming the blood of the New Testament. So there's some great things represented here. Uh, Hold on to here, or you can stick something in there and come back over to Luke 22. And and I don't mean to bounce around, but we have a little more detail in these other passages. Luke 22. By the way, the content of the cup, according to Mark 14, is the issue of wine. And and it's not, it's the, uh, it's the, blood of the grape. It's not the fermented alcoholic stuff. Again, you have to understand in Scripture, wine doesn't always mean fermented you know, out to get you drunk. Okay? Look at Luke 22 and verse 20. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. So the contents the new testament that's the con- the blood the representation there of the contents of the information identified in Jeremiah 31 31 to 34 as the new covenant so if you th- if you think about this hebrews says a testament is not in force until the death of the testator okay so matthew mark luke john is on Old Testament ground, not New Testament ground, okay? What happens at the end of the Gospels? He dies, he's buried, he's rose again. When he goes and spends the time with the guys in Acts 1 there, the fifty 40 days, okay? Now we're where? We're on New Testament ground, the death of the testator. So what did he What interrupt what, in Acts 9 with Paul? What did he do? He interrupted the New Testament ground. That's why you'll hear people say, oh, you're the New Testament church. No, we're not. We're the church, the body of Christ. He interrupted that. Now, when we're gone and we pick, he picks up in Hebrews, which is going to match where Acts 7 ended, 8 ended, where are we at? We're on New Testament ground. That's why in Hebrews he'll say they had a tasting of this and they could. Why? Because they're enjoying some New Testament, New Covenant type situation within the believing remnant. So you've got a lot of things, and what the Lord's doing is, is the old is done. It's decaying away. It's gone. It's time to bring in the new, and I'm the one doing that. I'm fulfilling the picture. Okay? Now, look, go back here to Mark 14. So when he talks about the blood of the, drinking the cup, Verse 24, and he said unto them, This is my blood for the New Testament, which is shed for many. When they begin to talk about taking the wine and turning it into blood, there's something you have to be very careful with with that. And we need to be aware of it. I'm not none of us would ever say this, but the Lord Jesus Christ would never tell anybody to drink blood, because to drink blood is a sin. Come back to Genesis 9. And it's been that way. And so the Lord would never cause anyone to violate the Word of God. Genesis 9. So if they are drinking blood, if they go abracadabra, boom, is blood. All right, then they're committing a sin. And the Lord is encouraging that. See. And by the way, that's what the new Bibles are pushing. They, they get in here and wiggle this stuff out and they push it why because they need the Lord to not be the Lord uh, Genesis 9 so Genesis 9 you've got Noah come off the the ark the flood's over humanity has been uh, destroyed except for Noah and and his family now the predicament is is okay I destroyed that so the but I didn't fix the human condition so we Human condition is still what? They're sinners, but we're going to get it going. Look at verse 4. By the way, verse 3. I'll shoot, verse 1. Nah, verse 3. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as a green herb have I given you all things. So now they're to be hunters. Why is that? Verse 1, they're to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. They're to go out there. Same thing he told Adam, except for the dominion part. The dominion isn't here because it's not Noah's job. It's not man's job at this time. He's actually going to institute human government down in verse 6 and following. And when that happens, whose job is it now to have dominion, control, and rule? It's human government, see. But notice what he says here. You guys are going to go be hunters. And you're going to go out there and you're going to chase that Bambi's mom. And you're going to kill it. And you're going to cook it. And you're going to eat it, right? You're going to go over there and drop in. The fishing line, instead of the rainbow trout coming up and making eyes at you like he did before, now he's running. Because now watch verse 4. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the what? The blood thereof, shall ye not eat. You can eat everything of that animal except what? The blood. You can't have the blood. So so this, by the way, this is before the law. Okay? Now come over to Leviticus 17. So right from the beginning of humanity, what are they taught by God? Don't eat the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. No eating the blood. Okay? Leviticus 17 and verse 10. So here's under the law. Genesis 9, before the law. Now here's after, under the law. Genesis 17 I'm sorry, Leviticus 17, verse 10. And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn among you, that eateth any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood, and will cut him off from among his people. For the life, I mean, think about that. By the way, this is why they eat kosher. I don't know if you ever really paid attention to that. It's this right here. That's why they have the dietary rules and and restrictions. If you eat blood, I'm going to shut you down. I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to set my face against you. Verse 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. So where did he go? He went back to Noah and said, what, don't eat the blood. Here with Israel, don't eat the blood. Now come over to Acts 15, Acts chapter 15. So I hear the guy say, you know, well, we got this and it's, you know, it's really wine and we know that, but we're trans, you know, bringing it over into the blood. But scripture says, don't drink or eat the blood. Now look at Acts 15. So, verse 19, in Acts 15, you've got the meeting between Paul and the elders and the leadership there of Peter. Uh, the James here is, is the half-brother of the Lord. He's the pastor of the Jerusalem church at this point. He's the guy that writes the book of James after Hebrews. And they're having a big meeting. And James is going to bring everything to a conclusion here, kind of, okay, boom, boom <laughs> kind of, Wrap everything up. Verse 19, wherefore my sentence is, and again, this is James, that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. Don't eat the blood. All right, we're not gonna we're not gonna put a put a mandate on them that they got to do. But all we're gonna do is just make a request. See, that they abstain from from what eating blood. Now we're in the dispensation of grace here. And what do they say? We don't want, don't. You know why you don't eat the blood? That's what the pagans do. That's what that Baal stuff out there is doing. You don't do that. Now watch verse 28, right across the page. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necess- necessary things, that ye abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication, from which, ye keep yourse- uh, for, w- from which if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well. Fare ye well. Isn't that interesting? By the way, do you see what's missing in that list? Water baptism. It's not there. James, the guys never said, oh, stay away from what? Don't do that. No, they said what? Let's go back to the basics here. The whole of it, Israel, Noah, don't eat blood, don't drink it, don't consume It's a sin if you do. Israel, don't do it. It's a sin if you do. And we're, we're making a, a request over here for you guys under the age of grace and Paul and so forth to abstain from it as well. Why? Because if you do, then what do you look like? The pagans. And it's a, it's a, that thing. So if the Lord, he would have never said the real stuff in the cup is my, is Blood. He would have never talk, talk, told them to go commit a sin, okay? Now, so when you hear these guys jabber about it, it just they don't know what they're talking about. That's the thing. They're practicing a, a religious tradition, and that's what they're doing. So come back to 1 Corinthians 10, and then we're going to go to Psalm 16 and Deuteronomy 32. But 1 Corinthians 10, I'll go slow. <laughs> You're welcome. 1 Corinthians 10. Because what happens is, is when you come into you and I today, okay, Paul uses some of this terminology, some of this with the Corinthians, because you know what the Corinthians are doing? They're looking like the pagans. They're over here doing this stuff. They're over here offering sacrifices to idols. You're you're in 1 Corinthians 10. Look over at chapter uh, 12. Just real quick, chapter 12. Look at verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God called you. And did you see that? You're carried away under these dumb idols. See, what did they do? They got saved. They're getting started. And But where did they go? Toop, right back. We're getting done with Romans in Sunday school. I got one more. It's going to be called Romans, the end. <laughs> you know, 176 hours of it, okay? The end. And, and what's right after Romans? 1 Corinthians. Why? Because there's some bad behavior based on the doctrines of grace that they should have learned from Romans. 1 Corinthians, 10, look at verse 16. Now watch Paul. He's rebuking them, Okay? He says, the cup of blessing which we bless, all right? So we're not doing this upper room stuff. Paul's, it, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? You see, we have a communion. We have a fellowship where? Together. Notice the we. We. See, it's not I, it's not him, it's we. We are made one with Christ and subsequently one with each other because of what? The cross. um, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. You're still in, oh, I'm sorry. Did I not, I thought I moved you. I didn't? Okay, well, come on, catch up, catch up. (laughs) Okay, I'll turn the hot plate up. (laughs) Okay. 1 Corinthians 10, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. This is Paul talking here. Your apostle, and what does he say? The cup of blessing, the cup which we bless, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. See, see, Paul, he's like, guys, we have this fellowship around each other because of Calvary. Because we're all, our fellowship as members of the body is based upon the sacrifice he made for us all at Calvary. And the one, when, when, he's the one where our blessing is. He's the one that our fellowship is. We are going to fellowship together in who we are in Christ and what God has made us in his son. See, we're not out here doing little trinkets and trying to win something. You see, there's a, there's a mindset here. Why? Because there's many, verse 17, it's in, for we being many are one bread and one body. He's talking about people. He's not talking about a piece of bread, see, he's talking. The reason that we are one is we all have been to the same place. Calvary. We've all trusted the same Savior. We've all believed in the same shed blood. See? I didn't believe in something different than you, you know. We all went to the same place. Now watch verse 18. Behold Israel after the flesh. Are not they which eat the sacrifices partakers of the altar? By the way, it's true, okay? That's what they do, all right? The sacrifice... By the way, the priest did this. That's what he's talking about. The sacrifice is there. What the priest do? They ate of it, okay? But why was that sacrifice... There? See, that priest is partaking in the fellowship that God had provided for Israel through that sacrifice. Now watch verse 19. What say I then? That the idol is anything or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? You know what? No, the the idol's nothing. It's just a piece of furniture. Guess what the sacrifice is? Nothing, it's just a piece of meat, say, today. But they're doing it, say, they're doing this whole issue here. And by the way, the idol, the idolatry, if you look back up at verse 14, why he talks about it, wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from what? So where are they? They went back to idolatry. The only reason he tells them to flee is they're they're in it. He's not just... You know, one day maybe if you get there, flee it. No, they're in it. So he brings him, He brings them back to what he's already communicated to them, that the idol is nothing. There's nothing there. The meat is nothing there. These guys, they have messed up, and they've gone back a part of the Bale system. And they're to flee that. Why? Because we have a fellowship. We have a communion as one around the real thing, the real sacrifice calvary not this ceremonial hocus-pocus stuff verse 20 but i say that the gentile I, I, i'm sorry that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice they sacrifice to devils and not to god and i would not that ye should have fellowship with devils What are you not to have? Where not? Not, don't be a part of that bail, that religious, vain, empty, dirty, rotten religious system out there. Ye, verse twenty-one, cannot drink of the cup of the Lord, and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table, and of the table of devils. Now that, that's just common sense. In Romans six, he tells you. To whom you're going to be servant to is going to be your master. You have the identity to be the servants of righteousness. You, You choose to be the servant of sin. That's what he's doing here. You guys at Corinth, we have a communion. And again, if you have the communion of verse 16 and 17, you have that oneness in Christ together, okay, then you have no business, no place in being over here offering stuff up to devils to the satanic, to the Baal worship. And by the way, they do it with a what? With a cup and with a table. What sits on the table? The showbread. So you've got this great picture here. Okay, And again, what what Paul's going to do is he's going to come in and he's going to say, guys, by the way, that's why in chapter 11 down there, when he institutes the lord's table and he does it in verse 23 and following but prior to that what are they doing verse uh, 11 uh, 17 now in this that i declare unto you i praise you not that ye come together not for the better but for the worse. for first of all when ye come together in the church i hear that there be divisions among you and i partly believe it there's we're, we're one, we have a fellowship, chapter 10, see? If you're functioning in 10, 16, and 17, then you're not gonna have a division. Keep reading. For there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Now, that's a great verse, and we use that verse on a lot of other things, but in the context, what's, what is being manifest? Their idolatry, their return to the old ceremonial system, they're, le- they're leaving the fellowship of who they are in Christ. When, verse 20, ye come together therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's supper. For in eating, everyone taketh o- before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise you the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not." This is not, he's not happy with them. This isn't, oh, you guys are just, you shouldn't be doing this. Because what's the next verse say? For I have received of the Lord. Okay. That which I also delivered unto you. Now, just stop right there. This is a part of the mystery truth given to Paul. From who? From the Lord. That's what he just said. And I know what the brothers do with it. They go, oh, you can't do that. But you're missing the whole thing here. See, by the way, if, you, if you're going to say that, for I have received of the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, isn't what talking about him getting it from the risen, ascended, seated on far above, Lord, then you got a problem with 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4, because he says the same thing in verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Same phraseology. Wow. I'm not yelling at you guys. Okay. But it just, I'm, you just, you got to read. But also what's going on in the context, see? What have they done? They've introduced idolatry, see? And, when you, and, and again, that issue of idolatry comes in. And, and go back there. Where are we? I'm just, uh, I went a little further than I meant. Back in, in chapter 10 here. I, actually, Psalm 16. Just, let's just go there. So when, what happens is, is when you get into this stuff about what the Lord's doing in the upper room, Paul picks up on it because it was given to him to give to the body. And by the way, you go, we'll, when we get into 1 Corinthians and we get over there, we'll spend a lot of time looking through there because there is such bad information out in YouTube land about this because what happens is, and I understand it, is people come out of the religious system so they don't want anything to look like the religious system. The problem is, is what has the religious system done to the real thing? They've counterfeited it. They counterfeit what God has done and is doing. And again, you can't let idolatry, It's a plagiarism of what God is doing. And you can't let that win the day. Because when you have the fellowship meal together and you're sitting around in your communion and you're talking about Christ and and spiritual issues, that's a tremendous time together as a body, as a group, as a family. Psalm Psalm 16. You have to understand, every religion uses the truth of God's word. God gave only one religion and he gave it to Israel so every religion is a corruption of, again, man-made the corruption of the, very, of the true religion that God gave, period. Every religion's got a Garden of Eden. Every religion's got a Noah. Every religion's got a Savior. Every religion's got a God and a, by the way, a female God. We're going to see that here in just a minute. So what are they doing? They're just plagiarizing the word of God. They're counterfeiting it. And when you come in and you look at this, so Paul says, when you guys get together and you're calling it the Lord's Supper and you're doing all this, one's drunk and one's full and one's hungry, that isn't the oneness that is needed. See, you guys need to do all that at home when you come together here. Psalm 16. This is a psalm prophetically about the tribulate, the 70th week of Daniel and Israel in that tribulation period. Verse 4, their sorrows, okay, now that's going to be the saints coming out of verse 1, 2, and 3, shall be multiplied that hasten after another god. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips." They're drink offerings of what? Of blood. But wait a minute, we're not supposed to be drinking blood. But yet, what's happened? There's other gods out there, and what do they have? They have the quest for the Holy Grail. It's out there. I know it. No, no such thing. Counterfeit, see. I'm sure there's a grail out there, but it's not in here. It's counterfeit. Come over to Jeremiah forty-four. By the way, the the drink offerings. Get uh, Jeremiah forty-four, and and again we've looked at this in the past, but just kind of remind yourself when they look at when they use Mark fourteen, Luke twenty-two, Matthew twenty-six, and they say abracadabra, shishkumbad. This is what we're doing. They have no. They are. Desiring to be teachers of the law, and they don't know what they're doing, they don't know what they're saying, and they don't know the negative impact of it. They are just think they're scriptural, but not dispensate. They look good, they smell good, they taste good, they sound good. The whole bit, and all they are, is taking people and deceiving them away from the true. In Jeremiah 44, and you start in verse 15, "...then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense..." Okay, so when you know, by the way, this is six, roughly 600 years before Christ. And what are they doing? They're burning incense unto other gods. And all the, woman, all, all the women that stood by, a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt and Pethros answered Jeremiah saying, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto you but we certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the, look at that. 600 years prior to the Lord, what do they got? They got a queen of heaven. We got a queen of heaven right over here, church with their name on it, queen of heaven. Where'd that come from? Right here. Starts back in Judges. That's where it comes from. What are they doing there? They're burning incense under the queen of heaven and pour out drink offerings unto her. As we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. You see how the total, the adversaries attack against Israel and putting them in captivity is total. It's not one little group left. It's a total captivity. That's why Peter will look at that nation and he'll say, save yourselves from that un." Toward generation, that generation that's been generated by the adversary. That's why John the Baptist will say, "Who warned you, you, you vipers, you generation of vi- generation generating? Okay. Who's warned you to flee from the wrath to come?" Uh, and, and in the streets, in verse eighteen. But since we left off, to burn incense to Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink drink offerings of what? blood verse 19 and when we have burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out drink i heard a guy one time oh you can't have cake in the church and he quote that verse. i'm like dude really i like cake <laughs> come on you know but what are they doing they got aids to worship see they've got a, a blood cup of the blood they got this drink offering psalm 16 they got a wafer and they've they've been doing this for a very long time come back to deuteronomy 32 by the way in psalms 16 there that verse 4 deuteronomy 32 in revelation uh, chapter 2 and 3 there one of the churches they're going to be beheaded they're going to be hauled in They're going to be 10 days held over. They're going to be pulled up, and then they're going to be martyred. Literally what's going to happen is they're going to come up. They're going to bring them into the temple right before the throne. He's sitting there saying he's God. They're going to have a head thing right down there. They're going to lay them over. They're going to chop their head off, and they're going to take a chalice, a gold chalice, and stick it underneath there, catch the blood, and they're going to have a religious ceremony. And they're going to use the blood of the saint to do it. And the Antichrist sitting there, on they go. And everybody's going to cheer and go, hey, look how close to God we are. And God says, you did a lot of stuff in my name, but I didn't know you. And get away. Deuteronomy 32. That's how serious this gets. Deuteronomy 32. Here's what Paul was quoting. Uh, Well, verse 16, Moses is going to warn them. They provoke him to jealousy with strange gods with abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they, look at it, knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Look at that. They got a, you remember Paul runs into those guys and he says, hey, I want to talk to you about the God, the unknown God over here. You know what they're doing? They're like, well, you know what? We got to have a God of the blue, boom. We gotta have a God of the red, you know, and you know who does that by the way the Buddhists and those they do they got all this. why because we don't want to miss anybody. Israel's doing it here. Thousands of years ago. See, it's again, it's a plagiarism, it's a counterfeit. So Moses is warning them here, verse eighteen, of the Rock, capital R, that begat thee. Again, this is Israel, Exodus four. Thou art unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 4. He's what? He's the rock. He's the Passover. He's our sacrifice. He's Christ, Jehovah. Again, by the way, if you go back there to verse 3, because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is Perfect, that's 1 Corinthians 10, 4. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. He's the rock. If you look there at verse 29. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. Look how that just jumps to the end down there. Why? The Old Testament is a dress rehearsal of the real deal down there. As in the days of her youth, so I'm going to do it. (laughs) I'm going to nail them. And he gives that picture. Verse 30. How should one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to fight? Except their rock had, what? Sold them. And the Lord had shut them up. Why are they losing? Because they provoked the rock to jealous. They provoked him to anger. You see, this is a prophecy that's going to extend all the way out there through the tribulation. Verse 30, how should one, t- there they are. What are they, here's how they're going to go into captivity. Now, historically, this is going to be Nebuchadnezzar and going into that fifth course of judgment under the Gentile rule. But prophetically, he's looking out there. And Moses is warning them, this is your, this is your future. <laughs> Good luck. I'm, di- I'm dying. See you later. <laughs> Verse 31, for their rock is not our rock even our enemies themselves being judges. Little R. See that? Not the big R. So it's not Jehovah. It's a what? It's a counterfeit. By the way, you'll hear people say, our church is built upon the rock of Peter. No, it's not. Peter's not the rock. Who's the rock? Christ is. That passage there. By the way, 1 Peter 2 Peter says, the rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not me, it's him. It's, wrong rock. Verse 32, for their vine is of the vine of Sodom in, their field of, in the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall, their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons, and the cruel venom of asp is not this lay? I mean, look, vine, d- just this picture here of a what? Of a cup, of a drink offering, Baal worship. So come back to Mark 14. I do all that because what happens is, is this passage gets just taken and just obliterated and it's just shredded. This is his body, you know, and it's like, no, look at what he's doing here. See, religion takes all this and they counterfeit it. And literally what they begin to do is they just begin to practice that old heathen, pagan religion. The body, the bread. His body's holding the bread, the cup. They're going to drink the contents. And what Christ is doing is these are representing the reality of what I'm about to go do. Fulfill that Passover. Passover is never going to be fulfilled again. It has been fulfilled. Pentecost has been fulfilled. Unleavened bread has been fulfilled. Now, the picture and the type goes on in the what, though? The vain religious system. That's why John will call it the Jews' Passover. It should be who? The Lord's Passover. See? It's the Jews' Sabbath. It should be the Lord's Sabbath. What did they do? They've corrupted it. And remember when we looked there in Mark and and we saw the fig tree withered away? Right? The picture of Israel's religion, religious life, the national, the nation's religious life, it's withered, it's gone. Why? The old covenant is done. It's decaying away, Hebrews says. It's going away. Why? Because we got a new one coming. But then what did we read a couple chapters later? Now we got a fig tree budding. But wait a minute. God cursed that fig tree. So then what's this new budding thing going on over here? That's the Antichrist resurrecting the old covenant. To, to say, hey, don't, don't worry about that guy over there. You need to come right back up here. And he institutes that temple worship. That's why Hebrews says, don't go back to the old. Let's go to the better. We're not going back here. We're going here. We're not, because here it is. It's, it's that timing for these guys. I mean, literally, if you think about this, the Lord's going to die. Daniel, the, the timeline, Daniel 90, there's some things that are going to happen. And then the 70th week is going to start. They got Acts 1 to 8 to get through. They just stoned Stephen. Stephen looks up. He sees the glory of God. That's the angelic armies standing ready to prepare. to Actually, not getting ready. They are ready to come back and pour out wrath. And then he sees Jesus standing. See, there's two things there that Stephen sees. He sees the armies. Michael, they're ready to come back and and the Lord's standing, ready to come. I mean, they're right there time-wise. And then he interrupted it. Mark 14. I'll give you some time to get back, to, okay? All of this here. Now, watch verse 24. Oh, yeah. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Okay? And we'll pick up in some of this next time, but just catch the many issue. Uh, go back to Isaiah 53, okay? Isaiah 53. Because Isaiah 53, if you start there in verse 6, well, actually, you know what? Start in verse, yeah, verse 6, why not? All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Boy, that's great preaching. It's just not you and I. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears, is dumb. So he opened not, openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. There's the cross. That's where we're at, timing wise. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. My people. Who's Israel's people? Isaiah's people. I told you, Israel. Who's the we in verse 6? It isn't you. It's who? It's Israel. All of the prophets. Talk about the death of the Messiah and the redemption that that death is going to bring and that it belongs to Israel. That the death of the Messiah is aimed at Israel. Why? Because for the Gentiles to come to God, they came through Israel. He was their Messiah. Now come to 1 Timothy 2. He was the, the Savior. So the many here... Is who? It's Israel. It isn't the Gentiles, it's Israel. Now, I know what happens. You get the reformers and you get the Calvinist people, and they say, no, the many is the elect, and he died for the elect, the chosen, and they pull all of that nonsense out, and that isn't it at all. Who did he die for? For the nation of Israel. By the way, Romans 9, 4, and 5 tells you that, too, that he came in the flesh for his people. That's why Matthew says, uh, you shall call his name Jesus, Matthew one twenty one, and he will save his people. He ain't looking at you. Why? Because in, in Old Testament in prophecy, for the Gentile to come, they have to come through that Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, the nation of Israel. 1 Timothy 2, here we are, verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who will? Here's the will of God. Have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What's the will of God? He would have who? How many? All of mankind. All. No one left out of that. No one left out of this message. So some will say all without exception and all without distinction. And that's accurate in both counts. In other words, exception, it's to who? There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor female. There's neither bond nor free. We're all what? You're all sinners. Romans 3. But then if you're in Christ, you're all what? You're in Christ. You're his. All without distinction. Romans uh, 3.23, for, we, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That hooks in, by the way, to the end of verse 22, which says, for there is no difference. Why? For all have sinned. Verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Do you realize, I hope you do, that without the apostle Paul in Scripture... You wouldn't, you wouldn't know anything about Christ coming and being a ransom for all. The only one that ever says that is right there. That's why Paul will say, he's, when he says he would have all men be saved, and then he backs it, he verifies the salvation with, it's one man, the, the one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, and he's a ransom for all. When he says, uh, and the and come to the knowledge of the truth, he backs that up with the end of verse 6 and all of verse 7. He doesn't leave you guessing. He tells you. The due time testifier of all that Christ accomplished at Calvary is the Apostle Paul's, given, the message given to Paul. And without that, you know what? You're not included anywhere in there. You have to go through Israel. See? So that's why, in, like in the... In the Romans, Romans 16, when we're talking about the preaching of Jesus Christ, prophecy has a very limited view of, of Christ. Paul comes in, and he shines the floodlights, and he says, there's the big view of everything. Prophecy sits right here. Paul says, here's the whole room. So when you come back to 1424, we got to quit. Time's up. You, that issue there in verse 24... And he said unto them, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. The many belongs to Israel. Okay? And, again, the New Testament, I know Paul over there, he pulls in and talks about some of that and everything will hit on that. But I don't want to get drug into what Paul's doing in First Corinthians. I want to stay here because they're going to go sing, verse 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the the night, is what the other, Mount of Olives. And when they sing, Israel, that's what psalms are, you know, the psalms and so forth, the songs. They, on on Passover, during Passover, at periodic times, they sing. And what they're singing is Psalms 113 through 118. And they end with 118, and that's what they're doing here. And, when they, and what the Lord's going to do is he's going to use that psalm, and he's going to make it a reference to himself. And we'll see the wonderful truth in all of that as he's going. So if you want a, something to read, other than your three chapters, Psalms 113 to 118, that's literally what they're singing during the Passover events. Uh, you know uh, time okay so don't get tripped up in mark 14 don't let somebody tell you all that's just not it's all you know literally and all this stuff just look at what he's doing i'm fulfilling the picture the shadow and i need you to focus in on the reality of what's coming over here i'm the reality that's a shadow the reality is this new over here and that's really what he's doing they've religion has taken it corrupted it plagiarized it counterfeited it and made it into something that it is not that way at all that's why it's wonderful in Romans 8 when Paul says if you're in the flesh you cannot please God because all religion does is satisfy the lust of your flesh makes you feel good makes you you know think you're doing and you got to be careful with that okay All right, sorry I took you over a little bit, but let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the insight into it. And we thank you for everything that you've given to us in your Son. And Lord, I just pray that as we look at these things and think about them and consider them, that we would just grasp the the tremendous reality of what the Lord is doing here. And what's coming his way in the, in, in, in the, the remainder of his, of his life here and what he's accomplished, accomplishing and, and, and setting forth for not only the nation of Israel, but then ultimately through the Apostle Paul we learn for us as well. In your name we pray. Amen.